back to 2018, that was a very high point in tourism. I think it was well over 4 million a year. It didn't reach 5 million, but it was like 4.4 or 4.5, something like that. Very, very large tourist rate. Then in 2019, it began to go down because Trump made it more difficult for Cubans in the United States to travel to Cuba. And certainly for people, no, not sorry, to make it more difficult for Americans who were not Cubans to travel to Cuba. Because a lot of Americans had gone in mass in 2017, 2018. So that diminished. So that was diminished. But what really tourism very badly in Cuba was the the COVID pandemic, because tourism just practically collapsed as it did in many other places throughout the world. However, if you look, for example, the Dominican Republic, that is a much larger tourist power, if you want to use that term, than Cuba ever was. The You're Dominican listening Republic. To KBOO Portland. KBOO Community Radio holds open meetings concerning the operations and programming of KBOO in accordance with requirements of the Communications Act of 1934 and certification requirements of the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. Information about KBOO Community Radio's open meeting policy is available at our website at kboo.fm. The Finance Committee meets on the third Thursday of the month at 5.30 p.m. This month's meeting will be held online through a public video conference. A public link and phone number to attend the meeting can be found at our website at kboo.fm. Please visit our website to verify if a meeting is being held. Transpositive here on KBOO Community Radio. Today we're talking with Cindy and Jeannie from the Northwest Gender Alliance. Cindy and Jeannie, welcome to Transpositive. Thanks for having us. us. Oh, great. Well, it's so wonderful having you on. It's been a while since we've had somebody on from the NWGA. I think we had Jackie on. It's probably been five years. So welcome back. Lots of changes in five years. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Jackie's gotten married. Yep. Great. Congratulations, Jackie. And NWGA is still here, the longest running, I think the longest running uh, transgender support organization in the Pacific Northwest. Is that correct? Yes, actually west of the Mississippi. Yeah. We've been going since 1980. Yeah, great. Well, let's let's start by talking about you two. If you all could introduce yourself and take some time, tell us a little bit about yourselves, and then we'll talk about the Northwest Gender Alliance. Let's start with you, Cindy. Can you tell us about yourself? Uh, well, um, I'm this year's president of NWGA. Uh, I've been involved with the organization for six, seven years at different roles, and this is the first time I've had this role. Um, and uh, I'm uh, retired. I'm I'm in the, I've uh, aged more than I thought I would. I'm <laughs> but not because of injury. Great, yeah. <laughs> uh, aged well. I've been, hey, I'm having the best life. So you know, the age isn't nearly as important, except for you know, I just can't quite do the spurt, the uh, physical activities I used to. Um, I, I retired out of high tech back in uh, 2016, and um, I've been trying to 
to give back to the community in various ways. And this is just another way I, my, you know, I'm, I'm not a, um, I'm a geek. I'm a researcher. I'm a high, high tech computer internals kind of person and changing to non, non work environment has been a little, um, little, little, um, interesting. And, but I'm finding that life is better. I'm finding that having an opportunity to help other people, um, even if it's just a conversation, a kind word, um, sitting and talking with people. I mean, I'm, I'm finding I'm very much more social than I used to be. And I just, my whole thought is I didn't have support when I was young and I'd like to be able to be there for others that would like that. And I'm from the generation, which is very much in-person focused. Um, I, th I find the, the communicating in person, uh, lets me, lets me feel and hear the real person all the way. And I think that's a valuable part of, of building community. Um, Great. Well, thank you so much, uh, Cindy. Let's uh, find out a little bit about you, Jeannie. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. So uh, I'm a few days younger here than Cindy. <laughs> and um, <laughs> uh -huh. um, you know, I'm vice president now of Northwest Gender Alliance, and I was voted in at the beginning of the year. Um, and one of the things that I'm trying to help bring to the organization is a better understanding and a better uh, idea about reaching out and including a, a more diverse gender experience. So, uh, you know, historically, we've kind of looked at predominantly folks who are MTF. And my picture of our organization is reaching out to anybody who doesn't classify themselves in a traditional cis-gendered uh, uh, space. And so that was one of the reasons why uh, I was kind of asked to come on board as vice president is to try to help uh, us grow as an organization. And then outside of that, unlike Cindy, I actually have to work for a living. So uh, in my day job, I work um, locally here where my, one of my many titles is I'm a diversity, equity, and inclusion oversight manager. Uh, I'm also the uh, chair, uh, co-chair for our statewide ERG uh, for our organization. And then in my spare time, I do things like I work with Gay Falls, which is the LGBTQ plus uh, group that is adult fans of Lego. And uh, even Last year, I was commissioned by Lego to build their transgender uh, piece that they used in multiple advertising campaigns, and uh, I do all kinds of stuff. Well, great. Well, welcome, both of you. Thank you so much for coming on Transpositive today to talk about the Northwest Gender Alliance. So let's start it with the basics. What is the Northwest Gender Alliance, ladies? Whoever would like to go first. Um, so we are a, we have three kind of primary aspects. One is outreach where we show up in the community. We show up as ourselves. We role model what living in everyday life is. And then we do that through pride events. We do that through dinners, through, um, safe space activities where we invite the community to come in. And we invite other non non trans folks to come in also because that's part of the real world. Whatever the organization we're working with, um, support we have uh, is another primary where we reach out. We have support meetings through Zoom. Um, most of us are available for mentoring, and then education, which is uh, one of the things I'm really passionate about. Where I go out or one of the other board members goes out and will go to a social group, a business, a church, even law enforcement or uh, first responders and give a class on essentially transgender 101, how to be more 
welcoming, how to be more respectful, we, where we share some of our story and we help people with those difficult concepts like they, them pronouns, which we're familiar with, but um, often we find uh, our audience, often an older audience, um, that's just difficult for them to kind of get over the, the use of they, them and other pronouns, which are not traditional and why people use them and why it's important to recognize it. And so I really feel that what our organization does is we try to be present. And that's the important part is um, Jeannie and I are examples. We live everyday life. We, we don't work, you know, we're out and about and we're doing our thing. And that's the way for healthy activity, we believe. And um, I have no bias about how you describe yourself. I don't judge people. If you fit under the transgender umbrella, you're, you're my brother, my sister, my friend. That's all good stuff. Jeannie, I'm going to turn it to you. Yeah, so I, I see us as uh, kind of like what Cindy says, you know, we're there for the community as creating a space for people who are questioning their gender, who know what their gender is, who maybe are family of somebody who's transgender or who's questioning or non-binary or gender fluid to have space to gather together and share those stories, share those experiences, talk about what's going on for them in their life. Um, in my opinion, those sorts of spaces are what allow us to consider what we are for ourselves because, you know, we're bombarded every day with the news and TV and media that either says we don't exist or makes fun of our existence or whatever. And so being able to have a space where, whether that's we're in public at uh, pride festivals, talking to people coming by, parents and kids and adults and people questioning, or whether that's at a restaurant where people are socially gathering, you know, being able to have those abilities to interact with others who've been there, who've done it, who are maybe questioning themselves currently. But that to me is, is really kind of one of our core goals is to give people that option of interacting with others face to face and hearing each other's stories, sharing theirs, those experiences. Um, you know, that's kind of how I went from being somebody who considered myself gender fluid, cross-dresser, whatever, to actually living my true self was those experiences that were so valuable to talk with others and go, oh, you mean I can actually do this? That this is actually an option? You know, those are invaluable to people in our community, I think. Um, and then having the ability to go out into the public and do education and say, hey, you know, this is who we are. You know, we're real. This is what somebody who's trans looks like. This is what somebody who is non-binary, you know, how, what their journey through life has been. You know, and having that ability to do what we like to call education, but really it's sharing of lived experiences. You know, that's what we're about. Great. And, oh, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead, Cindy. One of the, one of the aspects that sometimes surprises folks is at one of these activities, like we, we had a picnic down in, in uh, Tiger in August. We were, a bunch of us there, we're just sitting around talking about things, but nothing we were talking about was about being transgender or the struggles. We were talking about life. And often someone will say, this is wonderful. I'm just being myself and I'm having a wonderful conversation with other people and I feel safe. And I think that's one of the aspects of when people need to talk about their journey or want to share their story or are willing to share their story, that's that's truly wonderful and, and a gift. When you can feel so safe that you can just have a regular conversation and not be concerned about how you look or how you might be perceived, that too is a gift. And we like to give both of those gifts. 
Great. Thank you. Thanks so much for sharing that. Um, can either of you or both of you tell me a little bit about the history or the history of the Northwest Gender Alliance? Um, I can say, I can give you some. It has a very long history. Um, some of it is not, not, not particularly as pleasant as I would like. I mean, we, as an organization, we've had a history of um, starting back when it was completely unsafe in terms of your health and your life to be out in public dressed uh, in feminine clothes if you were born male or dressed in male clothes if you were born feminine. And um, initially this organization was started by a group of folks who we now call cross-dressers who had a male, had a male role life in a and a female time that was special and most all of them were married and they actually early on had a bias against those that were transitioning because the wives were worried that they were going to lose their husbands to this. Um, we've come a long way from there, uh, including there's, uh, there's much more involvement from folks who have transitioned. Um, we've had involvement from folks uh, who are transmasculine and we we welcome those people and we've had non-binary folks. We, we've really kind of shifted over the years to being, if, if you're anywhere under the spectrum, you, we're, you're our people. And um, I think as Jeannie pointed out, we've really, purposely aimed to be very welcoming to everyone because I don't want someone left behind just because they don't meet some arbitrary standard. And I think um, it's important to realize that non-judgment of how you show up. And uh, I mean, if you're not comfortable presenting, but you want to meet people, good, come on out, come on out. And this is, this is a key thing of, from going from kind of a narrow-minded um, organization, which was had safety in mind. I mean, they had bowling leagues and bowling shirts. I mean, the old photos are kind of fun to look at, but the world has grown up and changed. Um, when I first got involved, all the meetings were in safe places, and now we can be in public so much more. So some of the, some of the past, feels kind of sad. I try to understand why and and understand the, the timing. And the important thing is we have to learn from our history, respect what they did and grow because I don't want to leave anyone behind. And they had that difficulty years ago before I joined the organization. Jackie was president for a number of years and did a wonderful job of advancing this. But some of the folks who've aged out over time did have kind of an old fashioned attitude, I'll say, and uh, we're trying to be more progressive. So we, I, I kind of like to sum up, the organization grew with the times and the understandings and uh, that's important to keep doing. Thanks. Um, is there anything you'd like to add to that, Jeannie? Uh, I, I think Cindy pretty well covered it. You know, we as an organization have grown over the years. And like any organization that's been around as many years as we have, we've had a lot of history. And so I think what's more important for us as an organization is not where we've been, but where we're going. And where we're going is inclusivity. Yeah. Um, well, let's, let's get some of the basics and we'll do this a couple of times during the show. Um, if you could let people know uh, where can they find, how can they get in contact with the Northwest Gender Alliance if they want to find out about you? So we we have a website which, uh, and we have our calendar of events there, which is always available, and that's at uh, nwgenderalliance.org. Um, we also have a couple of groups on Facebook. We have um, the North. Uh, Northwest Gender Alliance official Facebook page or something because there was a, a competing thing out there. 
Westside um, Trans Support, Clark County Trans Support. They're all just flavors of of our Facebook presence. Uh, so we post there about activities, uh, but the we try to keep the website up to date with the latest activities where people can find stuff, the monthly activities. And so they can, and there's a email info at nwgenderalliance.org and that that email comes to me and other members of the board. So that's the easiest way to reach out. Um, we don't have a lot of presence on other social media because um, we're recruiting for a social media director is what, is what we need and want. Um, what, what I found is Facebook is, has a certain demographic and other media has a different demographic. Um, we, we attempt to be at all the major prides. Um, we don't get to every single one, but we were quite a few this year and we'll be at more next year. And so that's the, that's the simplest way. Um, Genia, thoughts? No, I, I think the main thing is, you know, check us out on Northwest Gender Alliance uh, on Facebook. And, you know, if you want to keep up to date with what we're doing, just check out our website, nwgenderalliance.org. So the Northwest Gender Alliance, I mean, it's been around so long that, like, it was around before there was ever any internet. I mean, not before the internet was invented in, like, 1960, but it's, I mean, when the Northwest Gender Alliance started, it it listed, I mean, didn't it list in, like, classified advertising to, like, let people know about its existence? So it's, it's like it's been around a long time, hasn't it? It has. It, um... I mean the uh, the old membership application from before my time had things like, is it okay to call? Is it okay to to send you email? What name should we use when we call or use email? And things like that, which a lot of folks don't even think about anymore. Um, right. And so it was word of mouth. It was. Um, they had a, 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 a printed newsletter that they actually mailed to the post office uh, uh -huh. to members. And um, I'm not actually sure how they found more members. Uh, that's a little bit lost to my history knowledge. But we were uh, originally there was um, more than one gender alliance. There was one in like Colorado and one in California or something. And those oh, all, we were all that were all kind of associated with each other. Um, that's why it was called an alliance. And those have all dropped off, interestingly enough, uh, and disappeared. Um, we were the only ones that, of, of those originals. And then we also worked with Emerald City um, Social, it's a social organization up in Seattle area oh, yeah, and right. Cornberry Society up in Canada and they put together this thing called a spree uh, an event a spree, yes, a spree. Yeah, up in Port I've Andrew. never been but I've heard so much about it ah, um, and, and so they they pulled some money together and got this started and there's a uh, a separate LLC or corp it's actually a corporation that, that runs that event um, but the level of activity was really high, and and reaching out. And so, one of the ask one of the questions I get often is, "Are we really an alliance?" Because there's just us now. Yeah. Um, and I'd and I'd like to th I'd like to continue thinking that it's alliance of everybody under the transgender umbrella, and we're we've been trying to reach out to various groups and build partnerships with them because it's nice to have an organization in your hometown and for us to be able to tell you about it and like out, out closer to where I am out out in Hillsboro the West Side uh, Queer Resource Center actually has some office space now out in Hillsboro the what the West what? Side Queer Resource Center what, when did this fall from the sky 
Um, they've been at Pride's for a while, but they didn't have a physical presence. Oh, and, great! And they, uh, um, through the assistance of business a business development leader in Hillsborough, they now have some office hours at this um, at this building called the Hive, where there's also a um, uh, Friends of the Beaver Friends of the Library outlet and some other small businesses, but. They're trying to establish a local place where queer folks can just drop in and they have some activities that they're starting. And so right. we've, uh, we want to start some in-person support meetings again. Uh, my wife and I, before pandemic, were doing a transgender couples and trans poly group support. So you could come, people could come together and talk to others who are going through this journey. Um, and we'd like to start up some in-person stuff again and uh, working with them because I think having them supported by us in terms of getting the word out and having things there is a good example. I mean, every town should have a safe place and mm -hmm. uh, we aren't, the organization that can create that, but we can be supportive of organizations that do. Um, so I, I can get you that contact info. Um, but great, well, good folks. Um, and they've, they've had to, they've done a lot of work to get there. And wonderful. So we've also had, um, for quite a while, we were pretty involved with a Canby group. Um, of queer yes, folks. yes, can be transgender alliance. I remember yep. them because of that the whole school thing. Yep, and then um, Newport. Yeah, who, what what happened to that? Is that group um, still active, or are they kind of dormant they, right the, now? Our 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 uh, intersection person that was in both um, has had some health issues and had to move and uh, okay. kind of lost track, and they had some challenges with with how to run their organization um, and I'm hoping that we can as as we build back up we can get involved again and the folks from Newport actually which is a little far for us but they were hoping we could come out but it, we just didn't have the resources this time oh yeah Newport yeah Claire 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 is out there Claire Claire's out there and um, Lincoln, Lincoln of, County, Lincoln County Commissioner Claire Hall, yep. and um, we've also uh, been working with some folks at the uh, Equi Institute. There's and there's a group out um, towards uh, Pineville, Prine, Prineville, and and Bend in that area that were that that are looking for some help and some some education. It sounds uh, like the Northwest Gender Alliance really does pay a lot of attention to folks who are kind of living, maybe not necessarily like right down in the heart of the Pearl District or <laughs> over on Alberta Street, but I mean, where there's also a need for resources, but maybe also for queer folks who are living kind of out in the, you know, out in the suburbs, kind of out on the outskirts of town. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, in the in the in the in the long run, every, there should be it would be lovely to have folks in most different areas that they can contact and reach out to. And um, we have there's folks in Salem that would love to have something together. And so we're trying to understand the need and mm -hmm. and and figure out what programs are needed and then seek grants to help get that. As we as we form up the, this version of NWGA, yeah, um, I like we, that, and I like the way you say that this version of NWGA. Because over yeah. the years, I've had a chance to know many people from the leadership, and it's really nice of you to acknowledge that you know, as time goes on, and as each new generation comes in, and new leaders rise up, they leave their own imprint on the organization, and 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 simply. The, the need is different. I mean, a decade ago, it was hard to imagine life, life, we'd have this many freedoms uh, and this much acceptance. Or uh, this many freedoms and this much under threat. Well, 
the threats the threats used to be I contend the threats were there at a very a very everyday level and now they're the threats are noisy and you can actually start to see where the threats are but yeah. yes <laughs> um, it, but also I that means we need to make sure that people know that they're not alone yeah right? there I know young folks that are that are thinking oh I'm gonna have to leave the country or something and I uh, those of yeah. us that have, that have uh, been around the longer, okay, uh-huh. this is bad, and yes, it could get worse, but it could also get better. We need to, oh yeah, take, a, take try to better. take some of the anxiety out of the thing. And Hi, this is Emma Lugo. I'm the president of the board of KBU Community Radio, and I am here today. I'm interrupting the show because I just would like to encourage you to make a donation to KBU. Um, I just want to say that KBU is in a great position right now financially. We've never had so much money, but we've also never had so many expenses. And as president of the board, I can tell you that it's always a constant source of anxiety for me, wondering how are we going to fund this precious community radio station of ours. And I think a lot of it comes from membership support and from community support. Uh, We've got a great thing going on down at the station, but we really need your support. Um, Our expenses have increased. And so if you want to show that you really support having, um, uh, you know, workers who who are protected by a union and if you support those labor values that we all care so much about here at KBU, then please um, increase your support for our radio station because we so anyways if you want to give to KBU, please go to kboo.fm slash give or you can also uh, send a check the old-fashioned way to KBOO at 20 Southeast 8th Avenue, Portland, Oregon, 97214. Thanks so much for your support of KBOO Community Radio. We That is, you know, Cindy, that is a perfect segue. I want to make sure to get, get to Jeannie here yeah. because I've been wanting to ask Jeannie this question for a while. Go and for it. And so, well, first of all, let me just give a, a station ID. You're listening to KBOO Community Radio, and this is Transpositive. Today we, um, sorry, I'm just going to start that over. Um, you're listening to KBOO Community Radio. This is Transpositive, and we're talking today with Cindy and with Jeannie from the Northwest Gender Alliance. We're talking about the history of the Northwest Gender Alliance and coming out stories. Uh, Cindy's the president, Jeannie's the vice president. Jeannie, I wanted to ask you before, because when I'd gotten around to asking people to tell us a little bit about their stories, I wanted to hear a little bit about your coming out story. And I was wondering if you'd be willing to share a little bit of your coming out story with us. Sure. Um, I tell lots of people about it because, you know, I think in some ways it's fairly standard for a lot of us. Um, I'm married. I've been married to my wife now for uh, going on nine years and you know so coming out for me was you know multifold as we all know it's coming out to your significant other it's coming out to your family it's coming out to friends and people at work um, work was easy for me because when I came out full time um, it was the start of the pandemic and I literally went in to the doctor's office in the morning to say I want HRT came back and was told hey we're shutting down the, sto- the the business because of the pandemic and, and money and stuff. So everybody's going home. Today's your last day. And I was like, well, I guess that solves that problem. And, uh, you know, with the spouse, you know, it was probably a good year, year and a half before I, we had gotten to that point was a lot of talking and discussion and late night sessions. And we were actually one of those couples that was going to the NWJ. Uh, couples uh, sessions and counseling and that was an amazing um, uh, space for us to be able to see other couples hear what they were going through uh, share our own experiences and you know give my spouse space for her to be able to go oh okay this this maybe isn't as scary as I thought and you know doing our own private counseling with a counselor um, with more of those sort of uh, themes happening. Uh, friends knew. Friend, I don't think any of my friends were really surprised because I had 
been cross-dressing or being gender fluid or whatever the term was at the given decade I was in um, since I was probably maybe 12 or 13 years old. You know, uh, as for family, I knew at a very young age that I had a predisposition towards wanting to wear girls' clothes, you know, have the tea parties, um, uh, put on the makeup, do all that kind of thing. You know, I, I remember as a uh, little kid, my mom would be like, oh, just, you know, slip your dad's shoes on and go take out the garbage. I was like, that was the most disgusting thing I could possibly think of. And, you know, so I knew from a very, very young age that that was where I belonged, but I also knew without anyone ever telling me that that was very wrong from my, my family. Um, and I was afraid to think so, because when I tried coming out to my mother, uh, because at that point my father had already passed away by some years, um, it was multiple, multiple conversations, letters, more uh, calls and, and conversations. Um, she doesn't live local. She lives in the Midwest. And the final time I've spoken to her uh, was, you know, uh, still me trying to connect with her in some way and resulting in her saying, uh, you know, after a lengthy telephone call, very stilted, um, and she dead named me. And I'm like, you know, Mom, that's not my name anymore. And at mm -hmm. this point, you know, I'd legally changed my name some years back. And she's like, oh, are you still going on about that? I'm like, yeah, Mom, I am. Oh, I no. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, so, you know, I, I know that she has not only disowned me, I, I, I know that she went so far as to change her funeral plans, to change not having any kind of uh, uh, thing for her death, so that way I can't show up, that yeah. she's changed her uh, her whole funeral, everything. It, it's all changed. Cut cut me yeah. out of it. Made sure that I don't I have feel, any connection. And I think I that's feel pretty difficult. Yeah. I totally feel your pain, yeah. And I think that's also one of the things that scares a lot of people when they come out is, you know, am I going to lose my uh, family? Am I going to lose some of my family? Am I yes. going to lose yes. siblings yes. or parents? Yes. And yes. Yeah, exactly. A lot of us do. And you have to make that decision for yourself of what's better for me? What's better for my mental health? What can I live with and live without? And I'd rather live with my chosen family, you know, my spouse, my friends, mm -hmm. than live with people who can't honor me for who I am. Mm -hmm. Wow, you're such a... That's just... Thank you. Thank you so much for that. That was just so, so beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. Sure. What about you, Cindy? Would you like to share your coming out story? Oh, I'd be happy to. Um, the I was aware that I was different than the other boys, young, seven or so. But my my dad was um, biased against everybody, and it it kind of like it didn't matter. For whatever, he'd find a reason to be biased against people, and it seemed like um, it was unsafe to be different. So I kept my my feelings completely hidden until I was 21, and I met uh, the lady who became my wife, Alice, and uh, I hadn't told a soul, and on the third date, I thought she was so special, but I didn't my I didn't want to deceive her with this secret I've carried all those years. And so, on the third date, I told her I think I might be a crossdresser because I'm interested in women's clothes. It's the only truth I had, the only words I had. And um, she was okay with that. And twelve years after that, in 1990, we got married. And she became my wife, and uh, in 2017 we reaffirmed our vows, and I became her wife. Um, <laughs> your wife is just so cool. I've met your wife so many times, and she's just such an amazing person. Oh yes, absolutely amazing. Uh, 
but and, and um, so I didn't really want to. I didn't believe. I'm a I'm a big person. Um, I'm I'm not I'm not anywhere near typical size range for women in the world, and I didn't believe I could transition. I didn't believe that was a possibility for me, and it wasn't until I spent some time in therapy in 2010 and 2011 figuring this out and figuring out my path. And, um, and my path was really for, for health was transition. Um, but I didn't feel comfortable coming out at work. Um, I worked at Intel and in a, a high tech, which is normally pretty safe, but it's not and the company is wonderful about that. But the difference is, it's people, right? It's not the company policies can be supportive, but if the people you're working with have indicated non-support, then it, it makes it a little uh, concerning to come out at work. And so I didn't come out full time till 2016 when I retired and then throw away the mail clothes and don't look back. <laughs> mm -hmm. Um, Congratulations. Uh, yeah, thank Great. you. Um, it, for me, there was a lot of mental journey here, even just going from part-time in which I met a number of people and got really comfortable with who I was. And I thought I was ready to rock and roll. And then it still took a lot of effort to, to get comfortable with walking into the tractor parts support so, store where all the rednecks are, <laughs> right? I mean, Every when you live every day is your truth. It will it's different than when you can kind of pick and choose, and so. Uh, but all in all, I'm I'm a better human now. I'm happier and healthier and living a fuller life. I I call it living in full color, where I used the world was black and white, and now it's in full color and and. Uh, I say yes more often than no, and I'm finding new ways to be joyful. And um, I just want that same that same wonderful life experience to come to other people. And you don't have to; it doesn't have to be when you're young, even though that's an advantage. At any age, you can become yourself. And um, I'd love that message to be received because it's about being your best self. And I, yeah. I feel so lucky that Alice has been by my side the whole way. Um, I have, I've only lost one friend overall um, from all this. So I'm, I've been very fortunate. Uh, and, you know, I kind of, I, I, I feel for the struggles that people have. And I'm sad about the one friend I lost. That was the one I had since I was, basically since I could talk and it was sad to lose that person, but they couldn't, they couldn't come along the journey. Yeah. Well, I'm sorry to hear that, but that's their loss. And sometimes you know, that just happens. Mm -hmm. Sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead, Jeannie. You know, one of the cool things, um, you know, Cindy kind of mentioned uh, about Alice was both of us, our spouses come with us to most of the uh, pride booths that we uh, do and they're right there with us next to us in that pride booth talking to people and are there as well to kind of help um, show that you know you can survive a marriage or a partnership with a significant other um, you know and willing to, to, to stand up next to us and say yeah you know I, we're here we're supporting them yeah I know that's that's so great. Yeah, that's so great. It's I, I mean I think a lot of people think that they just can't survive coming out to their partner because their partner is just going to leave them. And sometimes that happens and that's okay. There's nothing wrong with whatever outcome someone chooses. Um, you know, but your your stories are also about the spouses who stayed the ones who stuck around and stayed there and supported you. And that's a very important story to, to tell. So thank you. Um, yeah. One, one of the, one of the things people were surprised about to hear the spouses at when we were doing the couple support is 
So one of the two partners, one's going through a significant number of changes to transition, but the spouse who doesn't think of themselves as transitioning actually does need to go through a transition because the if one is changing, then the then your relationship changes, who you are as a couple, how you're viewed. So the partner actually needs to be on their own journey of and needs their own level of support because it's changing. And with and we've we've had numerous spouses not even recognize that they were just as important to the process as the person going through the obvious changes. And um, you know, things we learned is you have to Alice and I, the way we did it is if I thought there was a step I needed to move to, she, I gave her permission to say, wait, I need time to get comfortable with this before. It's not a no, it's a, I need time. And that way she could be on the journey. And instead of me being in my head, we agreed we could share feelings without jumping to conclusions because communication between partners or spouses is what allows people to move. Um, it is, and that's true in any relationship, but it's really tested when there's big changes. And my wife does not identify as lesbian, and that's perfectly fine. Um, she now identifies as pan because she's that's the conclusion she's come to. But that's the one of the biggest stumbling blocks um, in a relationship. If if one person was cis and they just go, well, I'm not a lesbian. Well, no. You if you love this person, this the soul in this person, and uh, their spirit, and who they really are, and you know, that's what love is. That's such an interesting conversation. You know, it, it it's really interesting to me because I hear that I hear that more often than I would think. Like where there's a couple where they used to be considered a straight couple, and one of them transitions, and they stay together. But the partner doesn't say, oh, now that my partner has transitioned, now that makes me this other category of sexual orientation, you know, because, I mean, we all know that gender identity and sexual orientation are two separate things. Yeah. Your gender identity is how you see your gender, your central gender expression. Your sexual orientation is about, you know, who you're attracted to. Well, it's more complicated than that. But anyways, I'm wondering, you know, I, I, I wonder if in your group you ever have this conversation. It would be, this is something that I'd really love to do a show about. I'd like to talk to uh, couples who started out where it was like two queer women in a relationship. Maybe they both identified as lesbians. This is very common. And there'll be one of them who will transition and become, um, you know, transition to male. And then the other partner, like, they don't necessarily want to be known as a straight couple. I, I don't know. It's like that's – I'm wondering if that's a conversation you hear much at the Northwestern um, Journal. We, we had um, a couple who started out as a lesbian couple in, our, in some of our meetings. And uh, one of them worked their way through to um, transitioning and – um, yeah, it's it, it's 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 a actually just as scary for a lesbian couple with one going through transition because the lesbian community is actually often pretty tight knit. They have a lot of activities, and when they start a, when when they're starting to be viewed as a as a, a cis couple, um, they get excluded, just like. Um, a cis couple with one transitioning can get excluded from activities. It happens for them too. And it's actually in some ways more devastating because they've often had a deep connection with that community. And it's a struggle. Yeah. It's a struggle. I mean, you're already like, if you're already part of a community that is already marginalized, like a queer community. Yeah. And then within that queer community, you have to deal with another level of marginalization. I can see how that can really be a challenging conversation. Um, and we've had, we had a couple who reached out and a deaf couple who reached out to see if we could support them. And, and we found members of the queer community who could do the ALS translation for us so they could come and be in person 
and and have conversations with folks, other other couples who were one was going through transition. And um, I found that to be eye-opening because the deaf community is marginalized. See, to me, this is, sorry, I interrupted you. Uh, They're already marginalized in many ways. And then the risk of being, being excluded from your community because you're trans is really scary. Mm-hmm. So there's, I think there's a lot of folks that that would like to know there's a friendly face and friendly faces, and um, this is this is what we as a community need to come together and do. Mm-hmm. This is also interesting, Jeannie. What are your thoughts about this? It's been a little bit since I've had a chance to hear from you. <laughs> um, Cindy talks too much. <laughs> Oh, we don't say that out loud usually. Um, (laughs) So, you know, I I think that a lot of times, um, you know, I know my own spouse, for instance, she saw herself in in that picturesque, you know, husband, wife, kids, white picket fence sort of, you know, Norman Rockwell uh, image of, of what life meant. And even though she's known me since we were both back in high school and she knew that, you know, I was somebody that uh, played with my gender um, and presentation. And then when I came out as suddenly, Hey, you know what? I am actually transgender and I am going to be full time here. That rocked her world because now suddenly that picturesque image of what she was in changed and dealing with the, ramifications of what other people thought when they saw her and me together which was of a lesbian couple and she's like I'm not lesbian I, I love you I'm I, I'm attracted to you I think you're great I want to be with you but I'm not lesbian I'm like that's okay you know you can call yourself whatever you want to be you know see yourself however you want to be um, and we've made it work and I know a lot of times, a lot of people who are trans going through this, uh, the spouse goes, you know what, I'm not lesbian, I'm not gay, um, I, I can't do that, because they're so locked into that binary thinking that, well, either I'm straight or I'm gay, and it's like, well, take a step back and say, you know what, you don't have to claim yourself as whatever in order to make this work, and just say, yeah, you know what, just because I'm straight or gay or lesbian or whatever, that does not preclude me from loving you who is whatever you are. I can Mm -hmm. still love you for your person. Mm -hmm. And I I think we don't understand that enough as people or society that that's something that's possible. Um, Plus, if you are in, let's say, a same-sex loving relationship, um, you know, those communities have worked so hard to be seen, to be recognized, and then to suddenly say, okay, now we're stepping back from that, and everybody's just going to see us as a straight couple. Um, you're giving something up there. You know, you're giving up that hard fought, struggled for, you know, you face discrimination personally, you, you've gone through those experiences, and suddenly now it's like, oh, now I don't have to deal with that anymore. And there's, there's actually a, a bit of loss there that happens for folks that are going from those sort of relationships in the other direction towards that appearing cisgendered relationship. Wow, this has just been such a great conversation. I can't believe that we're almost at the end of our hour. I, I have so much more I'd love to talk to you all about. So if, if people want to... Um, Does the Northwest Gender Alliance regularly have these kind of conversations? Well, I mean, me and Cindy sometimes get together and we'll talk for six hours straight. (laughs) Ah, so we just need to get on your phone call then. Yeah. Yeah. Get Um, on a party line. Uh The, um, uh, you know, uh, (laughs) if if you can't, you know, I have, I, I've done many. We've got about five I, minutes left, by the way. Yeah. That was just kind of my like little subtle cue about that. Yeah, yeah. I've done many, many difficult things in my life uh, as part of my career, 
and had leadership roles that I may or may not have wanted. But the thing I learned the most and the th thing I'm uh, trying to do well is I know that I don't have the answers. I have good intent and I need help and I need people, I need to hear from people. I need Jeannie's help um, because I don't wanna get get stuck in a, in a small think or group think. So we have very wide ranging discussions about um, sexuality, about relationships, about how people interact with each other. And, and I think open discourse uh, goes hand in hand with this idea that education and more knowledge will help us all be better people. You know, and, and I come at it from a point perspective of, you know, I know what my lived experience is. I don't know what your lived experience is. Let's talk. Because um, I can't do a good job of going out there and being a spokesperson and talking to others uh, when I do one-on-ones or group uh, trainings or other events where we're going into the community, where I'm going into offices, where we're going to churches, and we're talking to people about what it means to be transgender. And I can share my perspective, but if I don't have conversations with others and learn about their lived experiences and what their stories are, I can't take those and share them with others in order to give a broader perspective for people to better understand the whole spectrum. And so I welcome those kinds of conversations. You know, I I sit back and I go, okay, yeah, let's have that conversation. Let's have those questions come in. Um, I know a lot of people in the trans community are like, oh, don't ask that. Don't, you know, don't, don't you better not ask me those questions. And I'm like, no, ask me them. My life is an open book. You know, let's have those difficult conversations because until we have those hard conversations, people are going to go about making assumptions and oftentimes those assumptions are coming from biased media. Mm -hmm. And in order to break down those stereotypes of, of what people who are trans are like, um, we can't do that without conversation, without talking to each other. You know, and I had this wonderful experience a few months back where I sat down with uh, several people who were non-binary and I was like, okay, well, this is kind of what this means to me. What's it for you? And I had that also with some folks who were agender. I'm like, okay, explain this to me because this is kind of my understanding. What is your lived experience? And it's like, wow, just mind blowing mm -hmm. um, having those conversations with people that are out there and then being able to turn around and take that and share that with others and say, hey, you know, I know this is what you may, might be thinking. This might be what you're seeing, but here's what's really potentially going on for some folks. Great, thank you. And uh, again, if people want to get in touch with the Northwest Gender Alliance, uh, how can they get in touch? Um, our webpage, which is nwgenderalliance.org, and the Northwest Gender Alliance official Facebook group um, are the two best ways. Uh, they can also send e email to info, I-N-F-O, at uh, nwgenderalliance.org. Great. Thanks so much. We've been talking today with Cindy and with Jeannie from the Northwest Gender Alliance. Thanks so much for joining us on Transpositive. Well, thanks, Emma, for having us. And thank you very much for the opportunity to, 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 to get the word out. Hi there, this is Emma Lugo. Um, I'm the president of KBU Community Radio, um, president of the board. And I'm just here today. Um, I'm also a co-host of Transpositive. And I want to encourage you to give. It's um, our fall fundraising drive. And our on-air goal is $55,000. Um, if you'd like to give, you can go to kboo.fm slash give. Or you can also go to our mobile app and click donate in the mobile app. Um, we also accept, uh, you can also give by going to text and text KBOO to 44321. And finally, we take good old-fashioned checks. You can send a check to KBOO at 20 Southeast 8th Avenue, 
uh, Southeast Portland, Oregon, 97214. So thanks so much for your support of KBU Community Radio. Bedroom KBOO Portland on 90.7 FM, K2H2BH Philomath on 104.3 FM, and K220HR Hood River on 91.9 FM. We invite you to participate in our brand new public affairs program, Once Upon a Time. Share with us your memories and touchstone events of your life. Join us for our premiere, Friday, October 20th, 11 a.m. to noon here on KBU 90.7 FM and available online at kibu.fm. Consuelo is my name and I will be glad to hear from you and reminisce about your journey. Friday, October 20th, 11 a.m. to noon, once upon a time, live in the air room here at KBU 90.7 FM. Mm-hmm. 